Hello, listeners. This is Kirsten and Karina. And we are still on our rest, rejuvenation, relaxation, summer. And we have another episode in that vein of rest and rejuvenation to share with you. This one is super great. And it's called um, self-care equals crushing the patriarchy. the patriarchy. Yes. Yes. And this is not like self-care, like with the bubble bath. No. Or a massage. No. This is about the Audre Lord kind of self-care. And, you know, I love this quote and I say this in the episode. Um, Caring for myself, she says, is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And this is an act of political warfare. Here, here, sister. Ah, it just brings chills to me when I say that. So I just really <laughs> hope that people will listen to crushing the you-know-what patriarchy yeah. with your own stinking self-care, because that's what I'm going to be doing. That's what we're trying to do. Interestingly, too, this episode is one of the or one of our first. This was this originally aired so many years ago. It was episode number 20, and now we're well into the hundreds. And so it's always fun to listen to what was going on in our lives, and even our audio mm-hmm. is slightly different. Mm-hmm. And so, but but the message is so crystal clear. And I agree with you. That quote says it all. So listeners, this summer, you get to rest right along with us. We hope this offers you some inspiration to do some self-care. Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about self-care, one of the most important things that you can do to bring your best self to your life and particularly your workplace. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we are so happy you are here. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Kirsten and I are here because we care deeply about women and work. We want your workplace to be joyous, satisfying, happy, fun, and fulfilling. And that's what we like to talk about, eh? Hey, well, that's what we like to talk about on episode number 20. Celebrate, raise a glass. (laughs) (laughs) It's our 20th episode, and we're releasing these every other week. That means we have been at it for a while now. We have been at it for a while, especially if we consider our pre-planning, strategizing. Yeah. But here's the deal. Thanks so much to the listeners for listening, for keeping on listening, for sending your comments, for giving us feedback, for telling us what we missed and what we need to catch. And it's been really, really fun. So thank you. It has been really fun. And we hope that it will continue to be fun. I don't know. It We'll see. Time will tell. Because <laughs> that's what we want. Joy and fun. And meaning and ease. Yeah. In, in fact, Kirsten and I did a little goal setting recently. And number one, fun. That's fun. what Number we, one, fun. It's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, got to be fun. Fun for you as much as it is for us. In fact, speaking of you, I just recently took a look at some of our metrics. I know. Surprising. I looked at data. Very exciting. I know. And it is in pictorial form, I will admit. <laughs> but we have listeners now in nearly every one of these United States. Super cool. But there's more. 
as if it couldn't get any better. I don't know if that made sense or not. We actually have a lot of listeners around the world. Blows this is crazy to my me. mind. It blows my mind. Yeah. So we have had, and I'm pulling up a little data here, some of our top countries in addition to the United States, Spain, shout out to our listeners in Spain, Canada. Where's Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Australia, India, the Netherlands. That's so exciting. I know. Germany, UK, Ireland, the Philippines. The list just goes on and on. And these are not inconsequential numbers. Italy, Estonia. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah. Iran. It's just kind of cool. So anyway, here on our 20th show, we definitely want to say thanks to our listeners, both here in the U.S. and across the world. Expressing some gratitude today. Yes, it's all about gratitude. It's all about gratitude and also self-preservation, as you said in that introduction. Look at you shifting so beautifully. I know, I've been but doing this, this really a is, now, I mean, 20 shows. It's really appropriate, I think, that the topic for the day is self-care. Because, you know, the 20th episode is a lot about the listener. So let's talk more about that. Yes, that was actually even more. You stunned me with your beautiful transition. (laughs) You just almost quieted (laughs) me down there for a second. Yeah, it is an interest. So this 20th episode is being released kind of in the height of the holiday season. Yeah, I was going to say the winter, which is Mm -hmm. the holiday season around the world. There Mm -hmm. are holiday and winter festivals and celebrations around the world. And it's also a time when, because of that, and also if you're in the business world, it's the end of a lot of end of the fiscal year stuff. It can get a little nutty. It can get a little crazy. Get a little crazy. You used you said something when we were prepping for this show. You said, "I know that when spring comes, I have twice as much work as I usually have because my garden starts to grow." Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the holiday season. Like once I swear, once we get past Halloween, it's like, "All right, you know, full guns on. Everybody's going 100 miles an hour with everything that we do for end of year, everything we do for our lives, and everything that's important for the holidays." So we thought this be a great time to say, hey, let's talk about taking care of yourself. Yeah. And although this certainly is not just an episode that's applicable during this time of year. No. And in fact, as we will later discuss, self-care is a practice that we need to get better at, I think. Or yeah, a lot of people need to get better at for sure. You did some fascinating research, though, about kind of the history of self-care and also the real gender bias around even this notion of self-care. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? I do. So when I was younger, first starting out my career, I viewed self-care as massages, petties, a glass wine with friends. That was self-care, right? And I found that to be very difficult to fit in my life for all sorts of reasons. And we'll talk more about what Karina and I do about self-care and what our people we know do. But one of the things that has become very clear to me is that women have a difficult time with self-care because there are so many societal expectations on us. We are not encouraged to put ourselves first. When we get home from work, we're encouraged to start dinner, right? We're not encouraged to sit down and have a cup of tea or reflect on your day. Mm -hmm. We're encouraged to, hey, get that dinner on the table, get this thing done, go pick up these kids, go do whatever it is you're doing. And so I think that this whole idea of self-care is really 
it's part of crushing the patriarchy. Can you talk just, I agree with you, but can you talk just a little bit? You started to say you started thinking about self-care as a massage and a manicure mm-hmm, and a pedicure. Mm-hmm. And now you've come to realize. I look at it very differently now. Yeah. It's almost, I would say now, thank you, for, Karina, for pulling me back down to the other side, back around to the other side. I think now for me, it's about maintaining my own autonomy. It's about maintaining my own agency taking care of my body, my wants, my needs, my place in the world. And I'm going to give you this quote, which I just love. So anybody who has not read Audre Lorde, you must read her. And whenever I talk about her, she just makes me so emotional. She's this amazing woman. She's just brought so much, I don't know, she's just shined the light on so many things about race and gender and being in the world and your body and illness. She died of breast cancer and really too young, but she's just left us with this amazing treasure trove of, of writing. And one of the things that she says, it was really for me, just so aha. She says, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And this is an act of political warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Goose, you have tears. Yeah, I, have I, goosebumps. You have goosebumps. I have tears, right? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about today. It's how we claim ourselves to live in the world in an autonomous, self-actualized way, as opposed to everybody else telling you what to do. Yeah. So why the emotions? Why are you, why does this get you? Why does this get you oh, right there? Oh, because you know, it's, it does, it just gets me because it's the sweet place where women come out from under the patriarchy, right? We crush back the patriarchy. And anytime people get to be their true authentic selves, I don't know, that's just where the big juice is. That's right. And I totally hear you and I completely agree. And this quote is really interesting and deeply personal, I think, to both of us. But there was a piece of it that I didn't quite understand until we started doing research for this show. So like Kirsten, I too kind of thought of self-care as treating myself. It's the little thing that I do because I deserve it. The little tiny glimmer of something that's just me and mine. in the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the thing that I'm told will help me as a woman. And I think women in a lot of ways are told that the thing that's going to make you feel better is also going to be the thing that makes you prettier or more acceptable to society or kinder or gentler. Or makes everybody around you happier. Yeah. Maybe it's going (laughs) to make you smell better. You know, maybe it's a lavender candle or, you know, a cup of tea. And it's not as trivial as that. But there was a piece of this quote that I didn't quite understand. And that is this notion that self-care is an act of political warfare. Mm -hmm. And only in doing research for the show did it become clear to me that, you know, that is in reference to the kind of history of self-care. Again, something just kind of blew my mind that there is actually a history of self-care. And in fact, one of the articles that we read is on Slate.com. And this woman, Aisha Harris, kind of details the history of self-care. Can you talk just a tiny bit about that before we move on? So History of Self-Care, it's a wonderful article. And that is the title of the article, The History of Self-Care. And she really brings us through history about, you know, initially self-care was something that people like that were mentally ill or not capable of caring for themselves were taught in like, an insane asylum. How do you care for yourself? And so that's how that was used. And then bring us up a number of decades, maybe almost 100 years, that term started to be used in 
the race civil rights movement and the gender feminist movement Mm -hmm. for people who wanted to reclaim their body, right? I mean, we have lots of statistics about how African-American people experience the healthcare system or how they experience safety or whatever it is. And so during the civil rights movement, that was one of the things that came from that movement, which is like, I'm going to care for myself with my needs. That's right. There was almost like an intentional taking back care for mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. when healthcare and other you know systemic forces were really more Oppressive. They were oppressive and they were white. They were male not centric. restorative. Right. They were not supportive. And, they were oppressive. And they were, yeah, male. They were it's all about the patriarchy, mm-hmm. taking care of the patriarchy. So it was during that time that this quote, I believe, kind of rose. Is that correct? I think it was a little after. Okay. But I think it's based on that. I mean I think that's part I think that's what informs it. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, real powerful moment in time and in history and a time when women and people of color will say were saying, look, we're gonna take this back. We're going to take back care for ourselves and it's going to look different than it does for you, white dude. Then there was another shift and that is to the commercialization. Yes, the commercialization which is so frustrating. We can buy our self-care. Yeah. We can buy our good feelings. We can buy our peace. We can buy our calm. Which is the thing that you and I were sold. That's Mm -hmm. the like the treat, the manicure, the pedicure, Mm -hmm. the massage, the Mm -hmm. taking time. And as much as those things feel good in the moment, maybe, if you can actually quiet your mind enough to enjoy them. And if you feel comfortable about affording them and spending your money that way or whatever it is, right? right? Yes. Yeah. But they're not the kind of self-care I think that I know I would like to see for myself and for you, Kirsten, and for our listeners. Yeah, I don't want someone to tell me by marketing and, you know, product development how I buy my Mm self-care. I just don't think that I'm saying no to that. Yeah. I'm calling but, BS on that. Yeah, but how to care for yourself or how to pres- like self-preservation is a big, huge, it's a big, huge market. There's a mm-hmm. huge market for it. Mm-hmm. And when we started, again, doing research for the show, I thought, you know, maybe we'll, that's all. We'll, that's what we'll be talking about. You know, maybe we'll be helping people just like take back a little bit of their time and indulge their desires or indulge something that's make them feel better. But I'm so excited that we've dug deeper and any Google search on self-care, however, any Google search on self-care will net you products. Oh, my gosh. And lists of things to do. Top 20 ways to just take a little bit of time Right, for to practice self-care. Right. And, and it's th- interesting how many of them are focused around something you have to buy. Something you have to buy or something you have to become. Mm-hmm. Both things that women have to deal with all the freaking time and I'm tired of it. So do you want to talk? We've talked a lot about what it is not mm-hmm. and a little bit about the history. I also do just want to come back to the fact that you were choked up on that. Your Lord uh, thing. Yeah. And I love that about you that you feel things so deeply. <laughs> unlike me, the thick shell. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> You know, I'm just like people I at. I mean, you guys know this about me. Like every other show, I'm like. <laughs> well, the, the fact that you can be vulnerable or I was going to say we can be vulnerable. We. But yeah, I might be vulnerable in a different way. And I'm you not sure be. what that I can be. can be. We have yet to see it. But it's not dripping down your face. <laughs> But, you know, I want to make sure that we didn't gloss over that. You know, this is something deeply personal to both of us, but I think it came out when you were reading that quote. Yeah. And I think, really, it's probably deeply personal to listeners, too. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're any different than anybody listening. So how does self-care manifest itself 
on a daily basis and in our lives. And I would love to explore that just a little bit, both from my perspective and yours, if you don't mind. So, okay, so when I think about self-care, I think of it as being a restorative practice. It was something restorative that I do to fill myself up when I am depleted. So that's how I think of self-care. And I want to say, I mean, I'm going to just talk just a moment about the what self-care isn't. Hang on, though. Self-care is restorative. It's something you do when you feel depleted. Well, and I, I, maybe I would rephrase that, actually. Thanks for calling that out, because what I would say is it's so you don't get depleted. Okay, I want to yeah. be sure, because yeah, yeah. that was something no, that I was... No, I totally agree. Absolutely. So, it, so I think we've been sold in some ways that the latter, the latter, the former, the latter, the first thing you said mm-hmm. is really what self-care is all about, is if you start to feel burned out, light a candle, you know, <laughs> get some... And also, really, if, you've, if you're starting to feel burned out, that's probably a good indicator that you're not your self-care system's not working. Yeah. It's like the same that by the time you feel thirsty you're already dehydrated, yeah. right? By the time you feel exhausted, you've already put patterns in place that are not sustainable. Yes. So self-care is not a restorative from when you've gone too far afield. It's a maintaining. It's a maintenance, it's mm-hmm. a way of life. It's how do a, I fill myself back up. How do I keep myself full? Yeah. Well, for, and I do I think for me it's like, yeah, how do I keep myself full? But I do think of it, it's interesting, we think of it slightly differently, because I do think about every day what I go out and give in the world. Mm -hmm. And then I also think how, what I do to fill back up that space. But I think that for me, they happen really close in time. I'm trying to do these things at the same time, right? I'm not just giving or just doing self-care. It's all integrated, right? That's what we want, integration. Yeah, we do. But I also am going to challenge you on that, that you're, I know this is not necessarily where we thought we'd go with this conversation, but in the act of giving is only, in my opinion, worth doing if it's also in service of you. Oh, I absolutely. I, as I always say, I always get way more out of giving than I yeah. get. But sometimes it makes me tired. Yeah. yeah sometimes yeah, I'm yeah. up late because I'm doing something for somebody I or whatever. You. That's it's what not, I mean. It's not always a win-win, but hopefully for the most part oh, it is. Yeah. Good juicy stuff. You know, again, so the, you know, your example of I give and then I get home and, and refill. Yeah. Hopefully that's not every day. So let's talk about your self-care yeah. then if, if it isn't, if it's some version of So, that. okay. So And then I just want to start by saying, I think that self-care is a practice like yoga. And I think you, you know, I'm not a big yoga person, just to be clear, but I get the analogy and I do it every so often. (laughs) But, you know, some days in yoga, you fall over, you don't have your balance. Some days you can really, you know, get that pose. Some days you can't get the pose. Some days your mind is wandering. Some days you're really clear. So I think that self-care, like many things, is just something we keep at, we keep trying. And so for me, self-care, you're going to crack up because this is like basic stuff. Okay, it's super basic. I really have committed to eight hours of sleep. I haven't always done that. For years and years and years, I lived on five or six and sometimes less. I've really committed to vegetables. Like I <laughs> am thinking that every time I eat a vegetable, I'm like, I think of it like a it's a big yummy bubble bath. Yeah. Right. I'm just eating the spinach and it's delicious. Right. It's yummy. It's so good for you. Mm-hmm. It's so good for me. And I also really try to do 30 minutes of exercise every day. I probably only get five out of seven days, but for me, moving just feels like I have a nuclear power plant in my core that's humming. 
Yeah. It just fills me up with more energy. I'm a water person, so I really try to be in water as many times as I can a week, whether it's a bath or I do something in the water like swimming or water aerobics or just to jump in a lake or whatever it is. And I, I want to just say, for me, what it's not, I spent a lot of years rushing to massage appointments that I thought I needed to be a whole, sane, calm person. And I arrived 20 minutes late, frazzled, my hair standing on end. And it was a lovely 30 minutes of massage by the time I got there. But, I mean, it wasn't restorative. It wasn't filling. It was like a thing that I had to do. So the things that you have to do are not self-care. They're just not. Like if you feel like, oh, God, I got to do that. I'm going to just pause it. It's not self-care. Yeah. It may be the beginning of a practice of self-care. And I want to make sure that, you know, we don't totally discount that. I want to. Because sometimes we have to get through things that aren't initially comfortable for us. Yeah. To kind of figure out where our limits are. We have to be ready for change. And in fact, you know, that was my whole deal with figuring out date night with my husband. Oh, talk about date night with your husband. Yeah. And I want to make sure we do get to your get through your list too. But one of the things that I needed a long time ago and I recognized I didn't have was sort of an ongoing regular connection with my husband. It was the height of the, you know, two small children trying to figure out how to recalibrate our lives that were completely different than the ones that we began. Right. And I knew I needed to spend time with him. And so we had date night and (laughs) for people who know me and Barry, you know, this idea of date night was initially to go out to dinner. And so we'd go out to dinner and kind of sit awkwardly at a table across from one another and regret spending the money and, you know, not really engage in a way that felt meaningful to us. And I kind of had an epiphany. So that to me would be the equivalent of your massage. Yes. Like it was sort of something I had to do. And I'm staring at my husband going, this is not netting the results that I want. You know, we're spending money that we don't have and we're not really having the deep connection that we need. What I later then figured out, though, was what we really benefited from was date night that was a long, brisk walk through town. Nice. Maybe a stop at the brewery and have a quick beer or or grab a bite somewhere, you know, a quick share of burrito from the taco truck. That was more our style. So my massage, you know, in your story was like I just had to I had to do something. And then it was a boundary that I was able to push up against and find the thing that really did net the results that I want and gave me the meaning that I was lurking, looking for. And even, I mean, that's like self-care of your relationship. So it's similar in a way, but that is really the point of this revolution around self-care, this act of defiance around self-care, which is it's for you. Yeah. It's not something you tell me is right for me. Yes. It's something I tell me is right for me. Yes. Yeah. So we got, I think, mostly through your list, but anything else you want to add? Um, I do. I mean, I know people are going to just roll their eyes and I roll my eyes every time I say it too. But I find that when I meditate, it's like the Red Seas part for me. Like my day is so much better. I cannot explain it. I do not understand it. It's 20 minutes a day. I get guided through by like Deepak and Oprah or Calm. I can, God forbid, not do it myself. (laughs) But I swear when I do it, the day is remarkably better for me. Yeah. And good for you Mm -hmm. for figuring that out. And I will be honest, too. I'm the kind of person who if I'm freaking out, I'll sit down and have a cup of tea and just have a moment and just like 
get a cup of tea, or if I've had a tough day, I'm a bath person. So there's, I do do some of those quintessential self-care activities, and I find some of them very helpful. Yeah, some of those things we might be thinking of as more short-term mm-hmm. fixes, mm-hmm. if you will, but they're not for you. They're practices that provide you with the kind of calm or peace that you're looking for. I know you frequently reference cups of tea. You know, know cups of tea. They're very soothing Yeah, it's me. a lot of like get a cup of tea, and I'm not a big tea drinker, and I, sometimes I... I'm like, okay, whatever, I gloss over it. But now I'm realizing that's kind of kind of, kind of a meaningful thing for you. Mm-hmm. It's a cup of tea. It's very meaningful. It's like, I mean, I, you know, I'm a I'm a person of faith, and so I use the word communion to explain a lot of things. But for me, a cup of tea is almost like communion with myself. Yeah, yeah, just sit and have a cup of tea. Yeah, it's in, in some ways even just the ritual. I'm sure it totally, the which, is, the water, which is exactly the... what communion is—the you know, ritual of sitting and doing yeah. and thinking, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so now what about you? I have a lot of the same ones you do. I think some, you know, exercise, time outside. I try to do that every day. It may not be vigorous. I may not be getting my, you know, heart rate up, but I have to spend time. See, outside. I'm trying to add that in—the outside time. What's really interesting too is that it could be a walk in the woods, you know, or a quick visit to the beach or. A the you know neighborhood park sometimes it's just standing outside mm-hmm. sometimes when just i just need to like a be outside i put on a coat and i just need to be outside it's ridiculous i know but anyway no i think it's great we spend like 90 Three percent of our lives indoors. I can't believe I just minimized something. I just said it's ridiculous. I just minimized one yes, of my own you things. Did. Oh my god. See there we go. Let's I learned, push back on I know that. exactly. I learned so much in doing these shows. Okay. So I spend time outside. I cook food. Sometimes it's around the ritual of cooking. Sometimes I resent it. But the reason I do it and try to prioritize that every day is that knowing what I'm putting in my body is really important to me. So I know how I feel when I eat sugar. Mm -hmm. And I know how I Mm -hmm. feel when I eat junk food. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it. I like it in the short term. I don't like it in the long term. So for me, that practice, water, I think sleep. I'm a big sleeper. I always have been. You know, I mean, I, oh my I gosh. sleep 10 Freeman hours a night. Sleeping. She's and like an infant. I used to take naps. I had to be careful when you call her like at night, like it's like eight o'clock. I have to think to myself, huh, wonder if she's in bed yet. It's okay. Call away. I turn my phone off. And I'm not mocking you, but you are a bit like a toddler. No, it's in more ways than one. But that's the other thing. I turn my phone off. I limit screen time. I really do have a, I try very hard to like not have my phone be the thing I look at first thing in the morning or last thing at night or yada, yada. But I think a lot of the other things that I do are just kind of, I wouldn't have couched as self-care until after doing that kind of deeper exploration for the show. One of them is deeper self-exploration. And in fact, that's listed on a lot of sites. You know, self-care is figuring out what your patterns are and right. which ones you want to break. Becoming and then self-aware. doing the work mm-hmm. to break them. For me, riding my bike is a huge one. It's a meditative time. I can do it. It's a threefer. I get meditation. I get time exercise. outside. And I get exercise. And I get time alone. So it's really a fourfer. It's a fourfer. The yeah. quadfer. Because I also, you know, time alone, very dedicated time to myself daily is also very important. And sometimes I catch it, by, you know, by going upstairs and reading and kind of leaving the screens and the family and all of that behind and the dirty dishes. So how have you pushed back? You're better at this than I am. So how have you pushed back on expectations to achieve these things, to make them part of your life? Like, for example, for me, like when I go home at night, I am almost compelled by this force I cannot recognize that I have to start dinner. So I get home from work, I unpack my stuff, I start dinner, I don't change my clothes, I don't sit down and whatever, I just go straight to work, right? And I sometimes if I go straight to work, I don't get to exercise if I haven't that morning. So I have really had to push back on the expectation in my house that I'm going to cook dinner when I get home. 
Right. So I don't have a formula for that, Kirsten, but I think it's, I think you have already answered this. I started small and it's like a yoga practice. I don't know why all of a sudden I've released myself from some, some of our social expectations on women, other than the fact that I started to. And now it's a given that I, you know, I started to push back and now it's a given that I do. And I think that's around boundaries too, self-preservation or self-care and your for me to say no. is this, yeah, having clear boundaries and being okay with that. Recognizing that, you know, your emotions around my saying yes or no to you is your problem, which is another one of my self-care things is, and this one took a lot of training and I'm still working on it, is not taking on your shit not turning your shit into being my shit. Right. That's yours. Yes. So I don't what? know. What? What I have shit? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just talking about you hypothetically. So to answer your question, I don't know how this has been. And I am not perfect. I don't have it all figured mm-hmm. out. I got a mm-hmm. lot of stuff I'm still trying to figure out. A lot of self-doubt and a lot of these patterns in my mind that I'm trying to break. But the things that I do feel like I'm doing well and the care that I do feel like I exercise is just a product of starting small and reinforcing it. And I'm going to guess that's the same for you. It is, but I also recognize it that I really feel, I would call them constraints, sometimes with what I want to do, societal constraints, either from my family or my clients or my coworkers or people I work with on a volunteer basis. I just know that those are hurdles that I need to really be aware of and get over. And I have done it on a couple of my self-care practices. I've done it and feel really successful. I know I can do more, but I'm just aware of that. I wonder if there's something in this thought or this mantra, like what's the worst that can happen? You know, if I push back on this society thing or if I push back on this expectation. See, see that for you, that question is almost self-defining. What's the worst that can happen? And you really don't think of anything. And for me, like my brain goes completely the other way. No, I say, what's the worst that can happen if I don't do this? Oh, okay. What's the worst that can happen if I do? If I don't make dinner. What's the worst that can happen if I don't make dinner? Right. What is the worst that can happen if I do? What's the worst that can happen if I do make dinner? Well, I miss out on exercise. I'm stressed out. I'm now fun to be around. What's the worst that can happen? And I'm wondering if that just might be something that, you know, we can play with in future episodes. Because I think that's also a way to start to practice to give ourselves license to choose ourselves. it's And it's interesting, too. I really appreciate that because I'm thinking of the times when you said in during your when you were talking about your self-care, one of the things you like is being alone. And I do, too. And it's for me, I would get my alone time at night after the children went to bed and I was staying up too late. And so I was compromising my sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't willing to have anybody's time be sacrificed for me to get my time. And I thinking, oh, I'm have some good self care. I'm up and having some time by myself. No, it was not self care. I was exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you have to. I was had to be. I have to be really careful how I tell myself stories. Oh yeah. Right. As we know, which is a pattern we all have to do. Yeah. Yep. What do you think might be get some good? We're kind of at that kind of coming to the end of this episode. Oh, the how to how to do it. Yeah, and and I think we've kind of covered that. Really starting small and giving yourself the yep. license to try to figure this out to know yourself to be aware of yourself to take one little step that feels good you Mm -hmm. know that has to do it again and then do it again and that's the great thing about it you can just continue to pivot towards what feels good in caring for yourself yeah and surround yourself with people who allow that oh yeah who support you yeah surround yourself with people who allow Mm -hmm. that i read something recently 
that really struck me, it was a quote, and I wish I had it in front of me, but it was like, I'm not even a person of faith, but I thought it would reference God, and I thought it was interesting. If God has taken people out of your life, it's okay, because he's heard a lot more conversations than you have. <laughs> I knew and I was what thinking, you were going to say. You know, whatever that universe, like, if yes. the, you know, like, if don't hold on to the people who don't allow you to be yourself, right. and give yourself that grace. We use the term grace a lot. What's that phrase, don't be around people who are dream shitters yes who said that that was another great article that we read was, was that the hummingbird life the mm-hmm. problem of self-care mm-hmm. yeah yeah amazing blog we'll posted on the show notes yeah meg kissack i yeah. think is how you pronounce her yeah, name don't let somebody be your dream shitter yeah no dream shitters allowed exactly so i'll make Blue sure on that them. we get all of these articles up so people can read them again folks if you don't know show notes every episode you listen to has words accompanying it and those words frequently have links to the articles that we speak about okay so rush 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 i don't mean to rush us can i just say one more thing before we rush which is one of the things you said we're prepping for the show was what you try and do is savor right you try oh, and yeah. savor yeah and i loved that that was a way of uh, mindfulness it's savoring things and so here we are in the holidays Lots of opportunities for savoring. Whatever holiday you celebrate. Whatever holiday you celebrate. And I just really want to encourage people to savor these moments, to find places that restore you, that fill you up, that just keep you energized and really ready to do the good work that you do at your home, at your workplace, wherever. And in the back of your mind, don't forget Audrey Lord. Yeah. Right? Don't right. forget Audrey Lord. Raise your fist high. Raise your fist high because self-care is an act of political warfare. Have at it, sisters. And it is about you. And I think, yeah. you know, if I could just leave our listener with one final thought, self-care is about you and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And nobody else gets to tell you what it looks like or feels like but you. Yeah. So hopefully you heard get some of that. Yeah. Hopefully you heard some things in what Kirsten and I are practicing to inspire and embolden you. But it's you. It's you, sister. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. We need you. We need you to do that good work out there. We need you operating at 100%. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Happy to number 20. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 